You're listening to The People's Podcast. I was honest. Was I brutally honest? Yes. But I think that that's the problem. Everybody's so scared to be honest with one another. This is JSC Radio. Remember here on JSC Radio, I don't do interviews. I have conversation. Our existence here is different. And that's some of the things that I instilled in Jasmine. And I always told her, you know, you have to fight for what you want. And you have to put, you have to do, be five times better. Um, and, it's, and it's not because you are in any way um, less than someone else. It's because we live in a world that requires that of you because you're black. I didn't get a place to pump milk for my son. You know, I didn't get a, a place to literally this is uh, milk. This is like basic. Crazy. This is crazy. This I is got crazy. an email saying that they would allow me the storage closet during normal business hours. And you and I both know that I don't work during normal business hours. So what is something that you wish you could do over? Is there is there something that maybe you're saying, hey, it turned out really well, but it could have been better. Or did you is there something you maybe missed on that you thought you could improve on and kind of looking, being a little self-reflective in everything that you've done? Uh, so for me, it would be with my children. So I raised my daughter and my three nieces. And I think I could have been a better father at times. I think I could have been more focused because wow. uh, I wasn't always present because I was trying, I was running from poverty. So what I would encourage for those who are out there who's listening to this saying, yeah, I don't know about these doctors. Hey, I hear you. You're not alone. But this is why it's especially important for you, maybe not even as important to other people, to find the right doctor. The right doctor who understands how you feel, respects how you feel, and works with you where you're at. Because I'll tell you one thing, there's nothing worse as a physician than seeing a patient develop breast cancer because they didn't get mammograms. Or see them get colon cancer because they didn't get colonoscopies or see them have a foot amputated or have them go into kidney failure because they never got treated for their diabetes. There is no reason for that. So whatever issues you have, what I say is, I respect them and I hear them. What we have to do is find the right situation for you. You're listening to The People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. After delays and a lot of thinking and some rebranding and some changes, some major game changes coming. This is the 96th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Hey now. Hi there. The swagger is back. The voice is back. The energy is back. And the podcast is back. Yes, sir. Welcome once again, my friends, to the podcast that never fucking ends. It may go on a pretty damn lengthy hiatus at times. There will be more on that as we go forward. But... We're here, baby. We're back at it. After I gave you that update a few weeks ago that we weren't going anywhere, I needed to take some time to do some soul searching. And what you heard there to open the show, for those of you who heard the best of show back in December slash January, that may sound a little familiar to you. This 
podcast has always been at its best when it's been able to tell stories or let others tell theirs. And as we go further into this episode, there will be more of an explanation on what exactly it is I mean by that, because there are changes coming to this podcast. It ain't going nowhere, but it needs to evolve. But more on that later on in this episode. I want to shout out my man, Doc Gillingsworth, of course. Big up to the new daddy, Doc Gillingsworth. Damn podcast been gone so long. Dude done had kid. Congratulations are in order to my man's Doc Gillingsworth on the new baby. Big up to you. Shout out to my man, Ruth Jones. You're going to see his ass on the new version of Match Game on ABC after the NBA Finals are over. Yes, there will be an episode, the yearly NBA Finals episode. That's going to be here. That ain't going nowhere. But I'm giving away some of the business for later. Shout out, of course, to my man, Awesome Jones, who you also will hear his music. Big up to my man, Tommy Phillips. Shout out to Chris Pritham and everybody else who's thrown me music. Be sure to follow me on the Twitter machine at J. Scott Smith. That's J-A-Y-S-C-O, two T's, S-M-I-T-H. Same thing goes for Instagram. I'm on Facebook at Real J. Scott Smith, original, as I am actually verified in two of the three for whatever reason instagram refuses to verify me i'm going to keep applying until you bastards finally get around to doing it i want to shout out each and every one of you who supported this show up and down i want to big up ava duvernay and her amazing unbelievable unbelievable docuseries when they see us talking about the central park five and that's kind of what has inspired this particular episode also don't forget bit.ly slash JSC tube to catch some of those exclusive JSC highlights. A lot of the conversations I've had, a couple of just wild moments. They're all on the YouTube page, bit.ly slash JSC tube. Follow me on the YouTube, damn it. So I mentioned when they see us. And when I got on Twitter, again, at J. Scott Smith, I am verified. Original. I, I wanted to um I wanted to kind of enlighten y'all. Because when, when the docuseries, when they see us, came out, I was finally able to spill the beans a little bit on my minimal involvement in it. But more so the cool story that surrounded it. Because those of y'all who obviously have followed me, know me, know my story, know my journey, know my path, know whatever possible fucking thing you want to call it. I've, I went through hell and back the last 15 months and in the midst of going through what was at the time the most hellacious stretch of it all I found myself trying to figure out what was next in my life and one of those things that I thought was next in my life was going to be this idea that I could possibly become an actor even if it just meant that I do extras and by the way I haven't given up on that I still have a little bit of the acting, more so voice acting, but the acting bug is still there. Aside from doing radio and doing news and, oh, shout out to Philly Cam, by the way. Philly Cam Voices, the new episode, is up now on Philly Cam's YouTube page. Be sure to check that out. I did an interview with State Senator Art Haywood here in Pennsylvania about his clean energy plan. So big up to him. Shout out to the homie, my girl, Kendall Alexander. Big up to you. But... I wanted to do more than just be the radio guy. I wanted to do more than be just one dimensional. And again, if you've known me for any stretch amount of time, you know, one dimensional just ain't my thing to begin with. So to do what I've been doing, 
I had to make some sacrifices and do some wild and crazy and unexpected things. And it saw me bouncing between Philadelphia and New York City. Yes, I know. It's New York City! New York City, a hell of a lot. And this was at the time that was before I started teaching at Lincoln. This is when I was strictly doing freelance work. This is when I was writing for Griot, and that was my main income. This is while I was having people who claimed to care about me abandon me left and right. But I still did this because I had to find something. So I did two extra spots. Neither involved me saying a word. Both involved me being a background guy. The first was on the CBS series God Friended Me, where I, on my birthday, September 5th, I literally sat in a New York City church for about three and a half hours, standing up, sitting down, and clapping. Got paid for it. One day's work, not bad. The second one came a few weeks later, on October 22nd, where I was cast for this extra spot in this, what was assumed to be like a documentary project. We didn't really know a hell of a lot of it. They didn't give us a ton of information on it, which later we find out was by design. But we weren't given a ton of information on it, and... It turned out that when we get to this place, it's a juvenile correction facility, or at least an abandoned one, a former one. It still had the barbed wire up. It still had pictures of, of like, kitty drawings of, like, Mickey Mouse and everything on there. It, it was an old prison. And we find out that we're going to be working on this documentary project revolving around the Central Park Five. And so when I hear this... And I'd remembered hearing something about a Central Park Five documentary or series. I did what any enterprising journalist, which I still am, was going to do. And I jumped my ass onto my phone on Google. And I decided I was going to figure out what the hell this is. And it turned out that the project was When They See Us. So I was going to be an extra in When They See Us. As a prison guard, which is hilarious when you realize that my father is a retired Detroit police officer who never wanted me going within 100 yards of being law enforcement. By the way, I never wanted to be law enforcement. That shit's too dangerous. So I ended up playing a prison guard in When They See Us. And what's wild is, is like we get in there and it's this cold, kind of dark, dankish kind of room. It has the metal tables and the, the chairs that you normally see in like a elementary school. Those hardback chairs, those plastic chairs sitting in the, in, the, uh, in the room. And we have all these actors, all these extras. And here I am walking around in a prison guard uniform. I was, uh, I was Officer Corbin. No, my first name was not Baron. But I'm... I'm there and we're basically just told to walk around and do a few things in the background and whatnot and then in comes Ava and when I tell you that Ava DuVernay when she comes into a room commands immediate respect it's like she walks in the room and it's like nobody's talking when I'm talking fellas so shut the fuck up she didn't have to say it soon as she walked in the room, we snapped to attention like the general walked in the house. And she comes in there, and what I noticed about her is she's so focused and so driven and knew exactly what it is she wanted to convey, what she wanted to shoot, what type of energy she wanted to have, how she wanted it to look, because she wanted to keep it 
true to the stories of those five men who were wrongfully convicted and sentenced to prison and railroaded by the NYPD in 1989 and 1990. And I'm sitting off to the side, like some of those shots, because as I mentioned on Twitter, I do make a cameo. It's very brief, but you have to be paying attention. It's about five minutes into the third episode when there's a conversation being held between between the two, and I can't think of it, and I apologize for that, so I will not get the name right. I mean, will not get the name wrong. It's Antron. That's who it was. The character who's playing Antron and Antron's mother. And um, I happen to be walking by in the background as they're having this conversation. That was my whole part of it. But that was about seven or eight hours worth of just being in there. And while they're shooting these scenes, Ava's got the whole setup with the camera and the computers and the edit bay and the screen. It's just, it's, it's amazing the kind of setup. And as I'm walking through there, you have to understand that there are cameras that are suspended on all these little mini train tracks and they're rotating around and it's really, really good cool and it's just like they're going through here and you have to make sure you don't trip over the train track as you're walking through that was our main thing we had to make sure we didn't trip and fall and bust our ass in front of everybody and ruin an entire shot so that was the one thing you're kind of navigate but you wanted to make sure you didn't look down while walking because you didn't want to you know acknowledge there's something on the ground you didn't want to have cell phones out because this is 1990 91 and wasn't an iPhone available in 1991. And boy, could you imagine if we had iPhones back in 1991. We didn't have iPhones back then. But we had to make it look as natural as possible. And there were parts of those scenes where she's just set up there. And I'm just sitting next to her because they would rotate us in and out. So there would usually be about a five to seven minute stretch where at least one or two of us would sit off screen and kind of in the back. I just happened to end up sitting right next to her. As she's doing this, and I couldn't help but watch what she was doing because I've never done film or t- I'm just now getting started on TV. I've been a radio guy for 15 years professionally, and I've been into radio really since I was 16 years old, 16, 17 years old. I've, I've never seen anything like that. And to watch her in action, it was, it was pretty damn mind-blowing and pretty damn intimidating. I got to introduce myself barely in the midst of this long line of people I was able to introduce myself to her briefly I can't tell you what the hell I said because I was just kind of all marble mouthed and I rarely get all fanboy with anybody because in this line of work you can't be a fanboy but I um I introduced myself I told her it was a pleasure to be a part of this even in a small way and it was just super dope so even in the midst of like one of the darkest periods of my adult life, that moment was a light to me. It really was a dope feeling. And to watch that series, which is appointment viewing, you have to take time out. You have to take an afternoon to watch that. I took an afternoon to watch that. It is effing stunning how viscerally angry, especially if you are black and male or black and, and a woman, or of a certain age, how the visceral reaction of all this is watching it. It's incredible. And to then be two episodes in and then five minutes into the third, here's my bald head roaming around in the damn background of a major, really kind of a generational piece of film that is just unbelievable. 
And I feel that she did such an amazing job of telling their story. And that's honestly what I enjoy focusing on more than anything else. I love telling stories, whether it's my story or someone else's story. And telling it, if it's somebody else's story, you want to keep it true to life. You want to tell their story the right way. You want to do that the right way. And there's so many stories to tell. It's easy to tell a story from my perspective. Like HBO just recently did on Real Sports. They just did this piece on the District Detroit, which is the conglomeration of Little Caesars Arena, which is the home of the Detroit Red Wings and the Detroit Pistons. I didn't forget about them. They're going to be a part of episode 97 when I talk about the NBA Finals, and it's not going to be pretty. But Little Caesars Arena was originally for the Red Wings. The Pistons kind of glommed onto it and moved back downtown and whatnot. And along with that were supposed to be restaurants and residential like they tore down one of those old abandoned hotels that was behind it along Woodward Avenue. And they're supposed to put up like either residential condos or a new hotel or whatever the they were saying they were going to do. Long story short, none of that has shown up other than the arena and the restaurants that are attached to the arena and the offices that the Pistons and the Red Wings and I think Google have opened down there. But other than other than that, they're really ain't there. And I remember the day that the announcement was going down because there have been all these rumors about the Illiches, the family that owns the Pistons and the Tigers and owns Little Caesars and Olympia Entertainment, which is the whole big conglomeration of things that they have, that they were outwardly denying that they were buying up that land in that area that used to be known as the Cass Corridor. So I just so happen to be at the city-county building, which is also known as the Coleman A. Young Municipal Center, we call it the city county building. If you're from Detroit, it's the city county building. It's Detroit's city hall. And I just happened to be there because I was doing an interview with the mayor for the Grio. At the time, the mayor was Dave Bing, the former Detroit Piston, the basketball hall of famer. He, the all legendary player from Syracuse. Well, he was mayor of Detroit at the time. And I was doing a feature interview on him for the Grio because this was right around the time of the bankruptcy. So I'm sitting in the lobby, and that morning, I remember watching that morning on Channel 4. Shout out to my man, Ruth Jones, Kari Hobbs. I just happened to be watching that morning on Channel 4 as the rumors had really started to get out there that the Illiches were buying up all this land in the Cass Quarter. What turned out to be they hadn't just started buying it up. They had been buying it up for about a decade at that point, little by little, parcel by parcel. But now it's starting to get out that they bought it, and the Illiches are all on TV just denying this, just completely saying this shit's not true. It, we're, we're not buying up anything. We don't know where these unfounded rumors are coming from. We don't know what you're talking about. So, of course, as I'm sitting in the lobby, sitting in the waiting room, ready to go in there and speak to the mayor, I'm getting my notes together. I have my notepad down. I'm writing all this shit out, and I've got my recorder ready to go. I've got my mic. I'm all good. I'm ready to rock and roll, and in comes this guy wearing a really cheap-looking three-piece suit. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and knock Men's Warehouse because some of the best shit ever is, like, from Men's Warehouse. Men's Warehouse, if you ever want to sponsor this thing, holla at me. But he was wearing, like, the cheapest Men's Warehouse suit I've ever seen. And he comes in there. He's got an Olympia Entertainment pin on his lapel. And here I am just sitting here, this goober, off to the side, writing down notes in a notepad. And by the way, 
I had headphones on at the time. But my headphones weren't playing music. My headphones, I do that just to kind of get people not to mess with me and talk to me. You do that in coffee shops. Let's not get it twisted. If you're at a Starbucks or you're at a Dunkin' Donuts or if you're back in Michigan, you're at a Tim Hortons or a Big B, you, you don't want people to bother you. So you put on headphones. I had on headphones, but my headphones were not playing any music. And this is good to know because this guy from Olympia Entertainment starts yappity yapping about, guess what? We're buying up all this land in the cast corridor. And we're getting ready to make the announcement probably in a couple of months or so that we're going to start this whole project and we're going to be building the new arena. But obviously, of course, we're going to sit there and tell them we're not doing it. But we've been buying up this stuff for years. And I'm just sitting there gobsmacked like, yo, look what we got here. That's like stumbling upon a bag of gold in front of you. It's things like that. It's stories like that that sit out there that people don't realize that you don't realize that people have stories like this. That one moment alone where I knew in advance before anybody else that the Red Wings were going to build that arena, that they were going to tear down those abandoned hotels. They planned this whole arena district that was going to happen, and it all came to fruition within about three and a half, four years. It was all there. They got that arena up in a hurry. They ain't got anything, anything else. Nope, they ain't got none of that shit up yet. But... It's amazing what happens when you've got your ears open and, of course, you stay ready and you pay attention to what's coming. And it's funny because I think about all the things I've done, all the stories I've been a part of, all the stuff I've covered that I've just kind of heard in secondhand or I've heard in the background or unintentionally eavesdropping and getting scoops and all that other shit. It's funny that at some point in the last five years, Someone told me I wasn't cut out to be a journalist. It was an editor who used to work with me at MLive who, after a story, after I complained about, really, her kind of lack of urgency in editing a piece and then assigning me almost out of spite to cover a prom, doing so while I was recovering from surgery and not telling me until just before that, by the way, we've got you covering proms. And I'm like, why? I didn't ask for this, and there's much more pressing things to cover. Plus, I don't normally work weekends because I'm usually covering a sporting event. But she sent me out to a prom, and when I clearly kind of objected more to how I was just kind of assigned to it and wasn't told, she told me, I mean, as it is, I don't think you're really cut out to be a journalist anyway, and it might be of your best interest to start looking for another line of work to begin with. And she just says it so dismissively. And this was maybe three months before I left for a gig in Asbury that brought me to the East Coast. A month after, not even a month, about three weeks after, I'm sitting, in the, sitting at my desk in Asbury, and I get a text message from someone back in Michigan saying that that same editor had been fired. They had just perp-walked her out the door that afternoon. In the five years that have followed, I have won three AP awards, I have covered a Democratic National Convention. I've been a part of a team that covered a Super Bowl. I've hosted a Super Bowl parade on air. I've anchored news. I've produced award-winning award winning or award-winning, whichever. I've produced award-winning radio. I currently anchor news on the largest news radio station in the market, in the top 10 market, no less. I teach journalism and broadcast editing at the college level. 
I'm even doing some TV production and storyboarding. Meanwhile, that editor who felt that I wasn't cut out for this business has been out of the business since 2015. I mean, you just hate to see it. Your story is always going to be yours. Control that narrative. I much prefer to actually shout out the people who had my back, but every so often, the petty has got to flow a little bit. You see where I am. Have I had nothing but success? Of course not. I have been through storms. I have been through trials and tribulations, but all of you have as well. But I've lived to tell the tale. I've lived to tell the story. And coming up after this break, I've come up with a bit of a way to help you tell yours. And it will also be kind of a true look at the future of JSC Radio and where we're going as we head forward. Because we still got to get to 100 episodes and we got so much more in front of us. My name is Jay Scott Smith and this is the 96th episode of Osoriano Nintaisis of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. And you get to find out what the C stands for after this. You're listening to the People's Podcast. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. This is JSC Radio. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go fish that. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stone? I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is, your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. You're listening to the People's Podcast. You can't say F you to your granddaughter? I just did, Morty. Here's dessert. you. This is JSC Radio. Don't hate the player, hate the game, son. Something that I would say about... Uh, as, as far as a mission statement about why female sexuality or sexually empowered women matters to me is because I really, really firmly believe that this next wave of feminism, we have to have women who are allowed to have their own unique individual sexuality that is not disrespected, you know, that is is not, we don't have respect or things taken from us because we are our own individual sexual beings. And I think on on the surface when I say stuff like that, it just sounds like, you know, I want to suck all the dick I want and don't want anybody to talk to me about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> like you're getting text messages, but you're getting like phone calls or people showing up at your house. How do you how did you cope with that? How did your family cope with that? Well, like I tell people, it's like you just just imagine you're a regular person. Nobody knows who you are, nobody knows anybody related to you and all of a sudden 
96th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Hey now. Welcome back. Jay Scott Smith here. Back after another unexpected hiatus, but this one actually was meant for a little bit more change because I needed to take some time to kind of figure out A, what the hell I'm doing with myself, and B, what exactly this show was going to be going forward. But before, of course, remember to follow us on the Twitter machine at J. Scott Smith. Follow the show at JSC Radio. Expect some changes, especially after what I'm going to talk about in this segment. Expect a couple changes to that. Be sure to, of course, get at us on YouTube, bit.ly slash JSC Tube. Bit.ly slash JSC Tube. I'm on Instagram at J. Scott Smith, J A Y S C O 2 T's S M I T H. Same thing goes on the Twitter machine. Of course, I'm real J. Scott Smith on Facebook. And again, want to shout out my man's Doc Gillingsworth. Congratulations on the new kid. He's the soundtrack of this damn thing. Big up to my man, Iron Mike Eagle. He's been doing a lot of work with Doc Gillingsworth, actually, and they've got some dope music floating around out there. It's so much good happening. It is good to see people that I know being able to make their way and survive out here and thrive even. And whatever else it is they want to do. Because they're great people. And by the way, in the last segment, I accidentally said that the Illiches own the Pistons. They do not. The Illiches own the Red Wings and the Tigers. I wish the Illiches owned the Pistons because maybe they wouldn't be the shit heap that they've turned into. That is episode 97. What we're talking about here for the second half of episode 96. Been a while since I've done a two-segment show, by the way. But what we're doing on episode 96... One thing that I've come to realize in the amount of time that I have been doing a lot of thinking is that we've talked about this forever and a day about this podcast. What is this podcast? And for 95 episodes plus best ofs and special editions, I can't really answer that question. I haven't been able to, at least not with any sort of conviction. It's not a sports podcast. It's not really a lifestyle podcast. It's not a news show. Sure as hell ain't a political show. It's not a wrestling podcast. But yet all of those elements have been kind of jumbled into it. But the one thing I've noticed when I've gone through the algorithm and when I've gone through the numbers of the downloads and what shows tend to generate the most interest and the most intrigue, it falls into one common denominator. It's the episodes where I have guests. But not just that, those episodes where I have guests are often preceded by a very pointed monologue. When you go back to episode 85 with Brittany Noble, when you go back to with Melissa DePino and Michelle Sahin, the podcasting while black episode, 
when I look at the episode with uh, Dr. Jen, Jennifer Caudill, when I look at the Marion Brooks episode and the conversation we had, the conversation I had with Janae Darden back in 2016, the conversation I had with Adrian Lawrence. Adrian, damn it, you're getting back on this podcast, by the way. The conversation I had with Lara Witt that really, really was the first episode that really took off. You notice I keep saying a word in there over and over again. It's conversation. For so long, I've also been asked, what does the C in JSC Radio stand for? Originally, it stood for confidential because JSC Radio is J. Scott Confidential. It's the website. Where was the website? That's going to be getting a remake soon, too. But that was the website. And that just kind of got co-opted into the name JSC, JSC Radio. But the C has changed. Literally and figuratively. The C in JSC Radio going forward stands for conversations. Because going forward, we're going to do a lot more of those. This show has finally kind of started to find its final form after more than three years and nearly 100 full episodes. It will be JSC Radio still. That will still be the name But the C stands for conversations. We will be doing a lot of conversations. Yes, yes, if there is something major that happens in sports, if there's something major that happens in the news and pop culture, and I need to go on a tangent for 20 minutes, those will still be there. I will still do the special episodes on like the NBA Finals, which has become like a yearly thing on this podcast. I still plan on occasionally doing a retro review of a wrestling pay-per-view. I'm long overdue. I was supposed to have done one more than a year ago. And at some point, I'll be able to get the time to be able to piece another one of those together. But what we're going to be doing primarily, there's going to be a lot more episodes like the Brittany Noble, Noble Journalist episode, number 85. There's going to be a lot more of the episodes I did with Marion Brooks and Jennifer Caudle and Jasmine Duke. Jazz has got to get on this show again because she's got some amazing things happening. The thing about having these conversations is I love telling stories. And I've always maintained I don't do interviews. I have conversations because conversations, you actually can go back and forth. They're more freewheeling. There's more thought to it. It's not so stilted and stuck in the same old boring journalistic conventions of ask a question, get an answer, no back and forth. If we're just sitting here kicking it and talking and shooting the shit with each other, it's so much easier to have a real, organic, legitimate conversation. And that's something a lot of you young journos, and it's something I've told my journalism students, you want to have conversations. You don't want to do interviews. Interviews are formal. Interviews are stilted. Now, if you have to, you got to do what you got to do. But if you're doing a feature piece or you're doing any sort of real in-depth story, you need detail and you need conversations. Make it conversational. That doesn't just apply to radio. And the thing is, when you want to do stories, when you want to tell someone's story, when you want to tell your story, you tend to want to focus on the, the, the tenets of journalism, the W's and the H, who, what, when, where, why, the five W's who, what, when, where, why, and the H, how. I'm more focused on finding the how. The two most in-depth questions 
and who, what, when, where, why, how are the last two. Why and how. Except in order, I put them, I put how first. Because why answers how. If you can find the how in a story, if you can find the how in a story, you have your story. What it really inspired all this for me, I've had a lot of time to think. And I've realized that a lot of the episodes I've done out of the last, really, seven, eight months, despite the fact I might have only done like five or six episodes <laughs> since November, is a lot of the better shows are the ones where I simply talk about my stories or I present someone else's. And to be able to tell stories, you're amazed at what people have inside of them, of what they're going through. In so many cases, people just simply don't know how to articulate it. When I talked to Brittany back in September of last year, she was still kind of, huh, about telling her story about what happened to her in Mississippi. We sat and talked about that before we did the, before we did the show. She was kind of nervous, but yet she was also ready to talk. She just didn't know where to start or where to go. But once she got going, she found that how. How did we get here? How did she get to that point in her career? How did she get started? How does she keep going? How does she manage? How does she make it? How does she plan on doing better going forward? You keep hearing that word how. And a supplement, why? When you ask how did someone get there, when they come up with kind of an answer, you say, okay, well, why did you do this? Why did this happen? Why make that decision? Why not wait? Why did you wait? All that feeds into the how. Who, what, when, where, those are all one word or very basic answers. They all feed into the last two. I want to help be able to tell people stories. I want to be able to help tell your story. There are some really compelling people in my circle that I've been chasing down for three years, and I'm finally going to get some of them to talk to me. And I simply want them to talk to me and tell me their story. They don't have to be promoting anything. They don't have to have some mega big-time shit happening. Some cases, they're just people who I feel are intriguing and that you need to know more about them and tell their story of triumph, tell their story of tragedy, how they got there, how they got out of it, how can they survive, how could they do it, how did they make it, how did they fail, how did they succeed? Find your how. Here's a hashtag for your ass. Hashtag find your how. Explain the how in your life. I've spent the better part of the last year, really, talking about how I got in certain places, how I got out of certain things, how I got into certain things, how I maintained, how I survived. Your how is who you are. Your how is why you're there. Your how is when you got there. Your how is what happened. It's not checkers, or should I say it is checkers. It's not, it's not chess, and I can help you do it. Coming in the near future... I will be offering my services to help people tell their stories, whether it's helping to create their own podcast and tell their story, whether it's helping to create a blog for themselves to tell their own story, whether they want to get up the, the guts to tell it in public at a public speaking event. I also wanted to start doing more public speaking events because I feel I can help people learn how to tell their stories. I just recently, when I was at Philly Cam, just recently did 
a uh, kind of a program, a think a part of this think tank where we focused on returning citizens. That would be people who are returning from prison after long sentences, similar to the Central Park Five. Because in Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, we have a lot of people who were sentenced, overly excessively sentenced to, say, life in prison for juvenile crimes. And Governor Tom Wolf has since started to commute the sentences of all these juvenile lifers, people who should have been sentenced for much shorter amounts of time but were overly sentenced, harshly sentenced, out of either spite or lack of knowledge or, let's keep it a grip, racism. And some of these men I've talked to have done at least a quarter century in prison. A fair amount of the constructive part of their lives gone to the system. So they're just now out. And they don't know how to tell their stories. Or they have a story to tell, but they don't know the direction they want to go. And I looked across that room and I told them, you got to find your how. How? How is the most important question? Who simply tells me exactly the subject? Who you are? What can tell you what happened? That's a pretty straightforward answer. When? Self-explanatory. Where? Largely self-explanatory. It's not until we get to the why that we can truly figure out the how. And whether it's a gentleman just trying to create a podcast to tell his story of how he wants to help others who are returning to society after years in prison, of how his story, there's that word again, of how his story can resonate with others. Whether it's a gentleman who did 35 years in prison as a juvenile lifer and is suddenly out, been in jail since the early 1980s, and now he's suddenly out of jail. He's just getting to understand the world of the internet, really understand cell phones and smartphones, and living in a halfway house, and trying to convey to people what it's like being in a halfway house, which is like the purgatory before you get out into society again. And the crap that he has to put up with and the garbage that he had to go through in order to set himself up to get back into society as a normal human being. These are the things that I can help you do. These are the things that you can learn to tell your story. Whether you want to tell the story of a business you're running, whether you want to tell the story of an injustice that you've encountered, whether you simply want to write a book about your f***ing life, I can help you with that. This podcast can help you with that. This podcast can help you by simply listening to some of the interviews. It's amazing how comfortable people get when they're allowed to just tell their damn story. And that's why my ass is here. I found my purpose through pain. I found my purpose through struggle. I found my purpose through abandonment. I found my purpose through hard work. I found my purpose through getting a chance. I found my purpose through people giving up on me. I found my purpose by telling my story on this podcast because it was the only outlet I've really had to just let it rip. It's been the only outlet I've had to really just let y'all know. And I've been able to do it my way. But the thing is, while I'll never say my way guarantees anything, because I'd be crazy to do that, that's a legal liability, I will be the first one to say you'll feel a lot better simply having another way to look at things. Find your how. Let's use sports as an example. Because, of course, I love going there. How on earth have the Golden State Warriors... And the Toronto Raptors got into the NBA Finals. How in the world has a team that 
mind you, has spent the last five years running through the league like a hurricane. Lost Boogie Cousins in the first round, two games in. Lost Kevin Durant halfway through the second round series. Proceeded to win the next five consecutive games without him. Got to the finals. Lost the first game only to get down, I think it was 13-14 in game two. Then go on one of those unconscionable Golden State runs Sands Durant, but with a returned Cousins, and then the back end of it to go through the fourth quarter without Klay Thompson. How on earth does that happen? Go back down through your list. Why? Why are we here? Why did this happen? Why did this go there? How did we get here? Here's how we got here. Go back down the ladder of who, what, when, where, why. You can put it together. The Toronto Raptors, a team that was always good, but never great, is now in the NBA Finals because of how? Kawhi Leonard hitting a shot for the ages to knock out the 76ers? Yes. How? Hmm? How? A team that plays stifling defense and choked out the Milwaukee Bucks, who pretty much looked like they already had punched their ticket to the Finals before actually getting there? How does it happen? How do they get there? How do you maintain? It's pretty simple. When you start to look at finding your how. How did you get through a difficult situation? How did you become a business success? How did you overcome adversity? How did you end up in the situation to begin with? It's a lot of self-analysis, and sometimes it hurts, and sometimes it's painful. But that's how you tell your story. That's how you find yourself. Go out there and find your how. And hit me up if you need some help doing so. My name is J. Scott Smith. And that was episode 96. Episode 97. The NBA Finals are likely going to be over by the time I do it. And the yearly intro and all the fun stuff from the back end of this NBA season, plus me slaughtering those Pistons. Because I said, I'm still going to do some shows like that. When we don't have guests, expect a show or two like that. And next week, well, maybe not next week, but the next time, that's the one you need to expect from me. Find your how, tell your story, and stay ready. My name's Jay Scott Smith telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. Until next time. Goodbye, everybody. The MAGA people are not exactly the the, uh, the easiest to deal with. Fuck the MAGA people. <laughs> That is definitely going to be in the promo. You're listening to The People's Podcast. I was honest. Was I brutally honest? Yes. But I think that that's the problem. Everybody's so scared to be honest with one another. This is JSC Radio. the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online. For like a year, she couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, 
Be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.